homie Sasquatch Please check the watch This is Bigfoot Don't get it shook The encounters are terrifying It was all hairy uh, from head to toe Thousands have reported seeing this beast You just gotta see it to believe it The evidence has been elusive Until now They call me Sasquatch You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic Unconceivable, unbelievable Unidentified flying object. I want to believe. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the I Wanna Believe podcast. I'm No More Slavic. And like a puzzle piece, they turn the memory over and over in their minds, trying to fit it into familiar boxes. And they are left holding that piece of memory with nowhere to put it but in the back of their minds, where it continues to stand, alone and strange. That's a quote from my friend and author Michelle Sawyer's new book, Bigfoot in Maine. In celebration of Michelle's new book coming out, tonight I'll be sharing some stories about Bigfoot in Maine. Before we jump into the episode, a quick reminder that all of our I Wanna Believe social media and email are in the show notes. My book, Granite Skies, A Disconcerted Journey Through the Unknown, is now available for purchase. You can get that at my website, slevicstore.company.site, or you can get it at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. You can see the links in the show notes. Alright, let's talk about Bigfoot, shall we? This is from Chapter 12, John Doe, Penobscot County, A Brief Startling Encounter. This took place in Hudson in Penobscot County, circa 1985. John was about eight years old when he was playing in his grandfather's backyard next door. It wasn't a work day and all the adults were gathered in her kitchen. It was overcast, a gloomy mid-season day, not too hot, not too cold, but a little dull and drab. He was monkeying around on his grandmother's timber frame clothesline, using it as a jungle gym. He was hanging from his arms on the clothesline when he looked up to see something very tall and covered in black fur walking on two legs across the clearing at the back of the yard. He hung there, astonished. The creature turned its head and looked at him, and then continued on its way as John jumped down, hitting the ground, running pell-mell for the house. He told everyone inside, quote, There's a big thing that just walked across the backyard, and it was completely solid black, and it was taller than Jimmy. The adults piled out to take a look, but there was nothing left to see, and that was that. Their friend Jimmy was the tallest person any of them knew, six and a half feet tall. John wanted the adults to understand that the creature was noticeably bigger, quote, professional basketball player height and size, maybe a little thicker, around seven feet tall and quote, the arms were noticeably long. It walked upright on two legs, long arms swinging naturally with a little bit of forward lean in its momentum. Quote, I remember that the hands were long, definitely not paws. It was a very long hand. It was very humanoid, very human shaped, he recalls, but quote, it didn't seem to have much of a neck. 
making the shoulders look high by comparison. The area between its shoulders and the sides of its head was shrouded by long hair. The overcast gloom of the day let him see little detail in that fleeting moment. He likened it, quote, to looking at something wrapped in construction paper. The creature crossed the yard about 50 to 60 feet away, headed from behind his parents' property across the grandparents' yard, continuing east. Beyond the initial alarm, he didn't tell anyone else for many years, quote, because to me, it didn't look like the Patterson-Gimlin image. And when I was a kid, that was the only image I had to go with. The coloration was different. The physiognomy was less bullheaded and top-heavy than a Patterson-Gimlin example. But in recent years, he realized many others had sightings that didn't match that well-known ideal either. Quote, so I felt more comfortable in saying, yeah, I guess I did see a Bigfoot after all. He grew up surrounded by rural pursuits. Quote, I was constantly in trees, on roofs, in the hayloft of my barn, just everywhere. I ran everywhere, belly crawled under everything, and was never afraid to get dirty or climb higher. The trails his family walked and foraged were a mix of game trails, power lines, and old logging roads. There were chicken coops in the yard and trails that stretched for acres into the woods behind where every year huge patches of blackberries yielded their sweet harvest. Quote, we had loads of apple trees, blackberry bushes, raspberry bushes. The area is still rural, although his family moved away, more homes have been built. The town's population has almost doubled since 1980, when it totaled 797. Hudson is peppered with little streams. Pushaw Lake stretches for seven and a half miles alongside the town to its east. A quick glimpse at satellite imagery shows a liberal smattering of swamps in the area too. As he lightly mentions, quote, it's a pretty soggy town. I asked him if the encounter affected his attitude toward the outdoors, but he thinks the adults' immediate response minimized any long-term effect. When they didn't see anything themselves, their due diligence was done and they no longer treated it seriously. Since the adults weren't worried or scared, it didn't occur to him to remain frightened and life went on as usual. Quote, I did read loads of monster books after that. My grandmother and I always had a great connection and loved talking about weird stuff. The event remained dormant in the back of his mind, only putting its cold nose on his spine when odd things happened. Quote, I remember hearing loud voices that sounded like arguing a couple of times, and it was just explained away as people in the woods hunting illegally. Occasionally, a lone person would happen to walk out into our horse pasture and turn around and go back into the woods. He added, quote, I don't recall being scared often, but certainly had times that I felt I was being watched. In recent years, his curiosity has given him the perfect excuse to get outside and camp as much as he can. If the worst a Bigfoot sighting can do is encourage you to go camping more, I'd say that's pretty awesome. This story is from Chapter 15, Stephen Lombardo Jr., A Bad Accident or Something Out of the X-Files. 
This took place in Northport, Waldo County, circa November 1997. It was a dark November night. Stephen was riding the shuttle bus home from the new MBNA offices in Belfast, heading south to the Camden location MBNA had recently outgrown. It wasn't a bad deal to save on gas money and let someone else drive for a change. Their experienced bus driver was Beth, originally from Pennsylvania. Stephen sat on the passenger side, not far from the driver. They approached Point Lookout, a massive recreational complex on Duck Trap Mountain. The backside of the mountain was undeveloped, adjoining a land preserve, and deer often crossed Route 1 here due to the green corridor that ended at the water's edge. Beth slowed down the bus. Stephen heard her say, quote, Huh, must be an accident. A chain of large, dark, unmarked vehicles was parked bumper to bumper on the shoulder of the already narrow road. Heavy-duty lights illuminated the empty field behind them. Quote, they must have hit a deer, Beth added. Stephen moved closer to the window, peering into the darkness. As the bus slowed further, Beth had the first view worth anything through the long panes of the bus's glass door. Quote, that's a foot, she exclaimed. Stephen got up and joined her. Quote, look at all the hair. Before him, visible in the gap between the wheels of two of the parked vehicles, was clearly a foot. Quote, what is it? He asked Beth, but couldn't believe her when she replied, quote, that's a Bigfoot. He found himself saying jokingly, quote, well, I can't rule that out because that is a pretty Bigfoot. His eyes traveled over the heel, the contour of the instep, the big toe. Whatever it was, he thought, it was lying belly down in that ditch with its foot hung up on the edge of the gully. But what arrested his gaze was the hair clearly visible where it began around the ankles. The hair was backlit and reddish brown. Disturbing clumps of it had fallen onto the ground next to the foot, as though knocked off by the impact. Beth had to start moving the bus again, and they left the strange sight behind without answers. Quote, I can't believe it, Beth said to herself as she drove away. Quote, no, you've got to be kidding me. That's not a Bigfoot, Stephen argued. But it wasn't a deer, and no evening jogger was ever that furry or ran around in November without socks or shoes on on a commuter stretch of U.S. Route 1. Quote, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I've seen stuff like this before, Beth tried to explain. Quote, come on, you're pulling my leg, Stephen countered. But Beth was dead serious, and she wasn't known for joking around. They began dissecting what they had seen. Stephen occasionally erupted into disbelieving laughter, saying, quote, I can't believe this. There wasn't any construction work to explain away the industrial lights. There was nobody directing traffic where the vehicles caused a bottleneck on the road, and they hadn't been there when Beth drove through about a half hour before. They had been looking for a hoof, imagining a deer collision, but instead, they saw a large bare foot and a part of a hair-covered leg only a bumper's length away from them, brightly lit. These details were undeniable. 
When he left the bus, Stephen asked Beth to keep her eye out on the way back. The next evening, she looked at him significantly, quote, you've got to hear this. He sat down next to her, quote, on the way back, about 25 minutes later, everybody's gone, and they pressure washed the road. The road had been scoured clean for about 25 feet in that exact area. None of it made any more sense than before. In fact, this new information somehow made it worse. Witnessing the after-effects of any collision is an extremely disturbing experience, sending the mind in loops, reiterating unanswerables, what if after what if. He has continued to re-examine that night. About 10 years ago, he tried to locate Beth, the driver. He knew roughly where she lived in Rockland, but she had apparently moved back to Pennsylvania. Riders and drivers had been on a first-name basis only, and he couldn't find her in company directories, possibly because the drivers were hired independently through a CDL contractor. At the time, there was nothing in the news about the accident. Quote, I was hoping it wasn't a person hit, but that area of Route 1 is just a commuting area. You don't usually see people jogging or biking, especially in November at that time. Another explanation he thought of was a nighttime shoot for a movie. After all, the Stephen King movie Thinner was filmed in Camden in 1994. But no official crew was filming in the area, according to the main film offices list. Stephen examined his mental checklist of large mammals he had seen in person. Black bear, deer, moose, no, no, no. Quote, I know what a leg looks like on a deer. It's spindly. This wasn't it. This was big. I've seen a bear at a close distance, up in Rangeley. I've seen that stuff. That sudden revelation after their slow approach toward the lights and the line of vehicles had been startling. Quote, I was looking for a hoof because I was thinking it was a deer or a person that was hit by a car in a ditch. But that wasn't what he saw. And even though Beth came right out and said it, he could not wrap his mind around the idea of Bigfoot in Maine. Sasquatch was a West Coast creature and, quote, honestly, I didn't really believe in Bigfoot. Each time his mind returned to the hare, he asked if I was familiar with the cattails, long plants that grow in marshes all over Maine. They are topped with unmistakable broken flower head that looks like a corn dog on a stick. Quote, you know how if you take and whip them, that brown stuff falls off in patches? It reminded me of that. At another point, he compared it to a Tweety and Sylvester cartoon, quote, when the gun blows up and their hair blows off from their fingers. In both cases, I could see the image he was trying to convey. Cartoons and cattails are one thing, but to see that in real life must have been beyond surreal. The other item he got stuck on was how it had been handled. The fact that the vehicles came en masse, did what they had to do, and departed from the scene with their high-powered lighting equipment, carefully cleaning the road before they left. What did that mean? Their efficiency freaked him out. He traveled past on the shuttle bus twice a day as usual, and the cleaned area was obvious. In that 20-foot section of road, neither pavement nor its crack showed any debris, unlike the surrounding asphalt. He visited the site and looked for indications of a collision, but found nothing. What else did he remember? 
He recalled the skin on the foot, quote, like somebody had a suntan and dirty feet. While it was not pale, he doesn't remember the skin as being heavily pigmented or overly dark. He estimates the hair was about two and a half to three inches long. Quote, it was shorter than a horse's mane, still was long enough that it was kind of fluffed out. It wasn't thick like a dog's. It was kind of wisping around if the wind hit it. He could see what looked like a couple of bald spots and thought, quote, this thing got hit because it took the hair off him. Whatever happened, I saw a plop of hair next to his foot. That's what caught my eye. He didn't see anyone as they went by, just the row of tightly parked vehicles, the lights, and the foot. Due to the narrowness of the road, they drove past only inches away from the parked vehicles. They couldn't see over them. He speculates there may have been people behind the vehicles, shortened by standing in the culvert. He couldn't tell what color the vehicles were, but they were dark, all the same height, and parked tight. There were no identifying marks. The lamps of the lighting rig were visible over the vehicle tops, pointing down into the field beyond. They appeared to be heavy-duty industrial lamps, the portable kind used at nighttime construction sites. In all the years before and since, Stephen hasn't encountered anything strange in that area. He's pretty sure this took place in 1997. He's also pretty sure it was November, as it was hunting season and deer were on his mind. It would have been between 5.30 and 6 p.m. because he got off shift around 5. It wasn't one of those nights where he worked until 9 because he remembers some rush hour traffic on the road with them at various points. Maybe somebody else noticed something that night. If so, both Stephen and I would very much like to hear about it. Point Lookout is still there, originally built as an MBNA employee recreational center. It is now a facility for vacationers, wedding parties, conferences, and retreats boasting, quote, 387 acres of picturesque mountainside terrain overlooking Penobscot Bay. The nearby field, along which the mysterious motorcade was parked, is no longer empty, sporting a newly constructed commercial venture. But who knows what lives in the woods beyond? Now that's all I'm going to share from Michelle's book. It's an amazing read and I don't want to give too much away. I want for these stories to unfold for you as they did for me and as they have done for countless other readers as well. This book is available wherever books are sold, but you can get a signed copy from Michelle at the Greenhand Bookshop in Portland, Maine. Check the show notes for that link as well. I also wanted to mention that season five is on its way. I'm actually currently researching and writing episodes right now. And my favorite part about season five is that the homie Kyle Sawyer will be back. He and I got together recently and he 100% agreed that it was time to come back and get going back to normal again. He's got a brand new microphone and he's ready to go. We're going to be recording episodes towards the end of summer, and we're going to launch everything in January of next year, so stay tuned for that. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Nomar Slevic.
homie Sasquatch Please check the watch This is Bigfoot Don't get it shook The encounters are terrifying It was all hairy uh, from head to toe Thousands have reported seeing this beast You just gotta see it to believe it The evidence has been elusive until now They call me Sasquatch Please check the watch This is Bigfoot Don't get it shook The encounters are terrifying it was all hairy uh, from head to toe. Thousands have reported seeing this beast. You just gotta see it to believe it. The evidence has been elusive.